1: You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beard. Let's get to it, New York. Knicks take a commanding 3-1 lead in their first-round series against the Cavs. Uh, They had a dominant blowout in Game 3. Knicks followed that up with a 102-93 win in Game 4. at Mass Square Garden on Sunday afternoon. The Knicks, who came into the game without quitting grinds, which we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, dominated much of the first half. But Cleveland would storm back to take the lead in the middle of the third quarter. Thanks to a big period from Darius Garland, who bounced back from a a wretched Game 3. A late Jalen Brunson 3 would put the Knicks up to finish the quarter, so the Knicks were able to at least keep the lead going into the fourth quarter. And from then on, it was all Knicks. Big performances from Brunson. He had a game-high 29 points. R.J. Barrett, again, came up huge. He had a big Game 3. followed that up with an even bigger Game 4. He had 26. Both men carried the Knicks in the fourth quarter. Barrett had 10 in the fourth quarter. Brunson had 8. Josh Hart was a key contributor in this game. He had eight points in the fourth quarter as well. He had 17 for the entire game. It was a rough one for Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell shot 5-18 from the field. He missed all four of his threes. He scored just two points in the final period. Garland uh, ended up uh, leading all the Cavs' scores with 23 points. He also had 10 assists in the loss. So Tommy is, uh, I'm not going to say I'm shocked that we're here, but it is kind of just, when you think about where we were, to begin the season, or where we were when we began this podcast, to so be talking about the Knicks being up 3-1 in a first-round series where they didn't come in with home court advantage against the Cleveland Cavaliers. It is surreal, I think is a better word. How were they able to get this Game a win?
0: Yeah, I think first and foremost, we got to start with RJ Barrett. Um, yep. you, know, it, it, you know, of the things that are shocking, and, and many of them are shocking um, and, and surreal, certainly, um, you know, we expected Jayla Brunson to play really well. Um, you know, Josh Hart, um, Boland is not a surprise to anybody. Um, yep. You know, Mitchell Robinson, very surprising. See, you know, expect to play well, but he's played better, at exceeding expectations. All yep. that said, to see where RJ Barrett was on Friday, Thursday night, Friday morning. Um, you know, we, we talked about it uh, on the pot, you know, leading into game three, first two games um, had 21 points on 25 field goal attempts with six of 25 from the floor um, national prominent national media voices saying not only did he deserve to, um, uh, you know, have his minutes reduced, but you know, obviously the hot take, he shouldn't be in the game, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, two games later, R.J. Barrett produces the two best games of his career um, over the weekend, 45 points on 30 field goal attempts with 17-30 from the floor. Um, we'll get into all the particulars and the reason he yeah. was successful and you know, um, not settling for drives, really effective at the basket, drunk fouls, which was really important, aggressive. Uh, you know, when, when defenders closed out, uh, he aggressively attacked the basket, um, seemed to play inspired defense because of it, made the right passes, got his foot into the paint, kicked it out, sprayed it out to open shooters. Um, so so also helped his teammates. Um, so we'll get into the particulars, but just first and foremost, a, a ton of credit to, to R.J. Barrett. He heard all that stuff um, that we that everybody was okay. saying, City, um, you know, make a break time. The Knicks should trade him. Um, this is he's, he's just not a fit. He can't step up in the postseason and the first seven postseason games of his career. Um, the criticism was justified in these past two games. Julius Randle struggling, struggling mightily we'll get into it. Curtin Grimes injured only plays two quarters out of out of the eight uh in these in game 3 and 4. Um Knicks needed a boost in the most in the, in the worst way imaginable and RJ Barrett stepped up stepped up and delivered. Um so huge credit to Barrett. Um you know the, the defenders, the supporters of RJ from the day he was drafted up until the t- t- tip off of game 3. Um you know they're the, the 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 rationale for defending R.J. was: Listen, the kid can struggle, but it's that self-confidence yeah. that he has in himself, that ability to bounce back from poor performances, that really separates him uh, separates him um, f- from some other players, uh, even talented. Um, you know, it may not be the most athletic, um, but the kid's got heart. The kid's got guts, um, and the kid's got courage, and he put it all on display this weekend.
1: Absolutely, I mean that was one of the reasons why. It was hard for me to jump completely out the window on RJ for this series because this is who he's been. I mean, he's a guy who could look absolutely terrible, a guy that you feel like you cannot play because of how much he's killing you, and on the switch of a dime can look like an, a future all star. That that is just who he's been. So when it came to this series, I was like, well, he's playing bad, and they're gonna have to cut his minutes. He's playing this way. I was like, I kept saying if, if because my yes. thing was yes, at any moment it could turn the other way and. It's funny because a lot of times we look at RJ Barrett's inconsistencies as a negative. And I mean, in many ways, they are, especially when he's struggling. But there is something special about a player who can, in the face of that much pressure going into game three, where everybody is saying, You're the weak link. You're the guy we got to come on. I mean, if you listen to any sports radio station, any podcast, anybody, people talking about it on national television, it was that this guy is the reason why the Knicks won't win this series. And for him to then have that game in game three. And then to follow that up with now the Cavs knowing that, okay, we've seen a good RJ game. We need to keen on him, make sure he doesn't do that again. Come up with an even better game in a more important game. That's not a blowout. That's a close game that you need big buckets late down the stretch. Do what he did. There's something special about that makeup. You know, like I would love him to be more consistent. I would love for him to just do this all the time. But uh, there's something that that is something special. I think RJ deserves a lot of credit for that. It was crazy. It felt like, the second half of 2022 season rj showed up in this last you know two games this is who he was for the second half of last season where he was averaging almost 23 points on 45 46% shooting from the field like he he was this dynamic as a scorer it was i won't say shocking only because we've seen this before but to see it in the playoffs was still like wow he was really bad and now all of a sudden he looks like he's figured out the cavs defense so a lot of credit to rj i know he said that he was working on the jump shot on Wednesday of this week, and he felt better about it. He didn't make any threes in the last game. It still feels like the first the game three he made some, his shot looks better. Even these misses aren't nearly as bad as they were earlier in the series and for the last few months. So that that's definitely one place to begin. But what about Jalen Brunson? I mean, Jalen Brunson, once again, continues to dominate. He had a rough game three. I was harsh on him on game three, and I love JB. I thought he had a, a terrible game three, Oh, game two, I'm sorry. He had a terrible game two, and I was harsh on him on game two. But uh, he's bounced back for another – Two awesome performances. Does he look like the best player in the series to you? Because when I watch this, this series, it feels like the Cavs are playing pretty good defense on him, and he's just still getting what he wants. He's making difficult shots. He looks like the guy that when all when all the chips are on the line, nobody in the Cavs have been able to outplay Jalen Brunson, which is what I talked about earlier as the keys to the series. Off the Knicks being able to outplay their stars, it looks like right now it's the flip side. Can the Cavs find somebody that can outplay Jalen Brunson? So far, that has not been the case.
0: You know, we talked about it. It's been kind of a theme on the pod and throughout the next season is the Knicks have been able to sustain success despite not having a top-tier superstar, you know, one of the 10 best players in the game, one of those guys that can take over a series because – History tells us you need one of those guys to make a lot of noise in the postseason. Um, yeah. typically the team with the best player, that that guy's team wins the the postseason. You you wins the playoff series. Um, you know, and and in the series, it's been Jalen Brunson. Um, and and I, at this point, I guess we shouldn't be shocked. We have six months of of data points that that show that the kids really special. And just as importantly, we have the first round series from last year when jalen brunson outplayed donovan mitchell um in the utah dallas game um so now it's over his last 10 playoff games so the six games the dallas utah series and the four games this cleveland new york series brunson's averaging 26.4 26.4 points 4.6 rebounds 4.5 assists versus just 1.4 turnovers um those aren't good numbers those are superstar numbers to do to be able to Exceed your regular season production and his regular season was really good to be able to exceed that production in the postseason um, really says a lot about you know what the what what this what this kid brings to the table again just 26. Uh, you know, really starting, you know, just that starting that enter the prime of his career. Um, The Knicks, you know, whether they lucked into it or, you know, uh, you know, just found a way, whatever, you know, whatever back channels they, they figured out a way to to get runs in New York. He's here. um, And he's been uh, really, really special. And, and really incredible. And and, uh, the front office deserves a lot of credit. um, And and Brunson deserves a lot of credit. Um, And yes, to to answer your question, he's been the best player in series. He's he's outplayed Donovan Mitchell. And that's a significant, if not the biggest reason why the Knicks are up 3-1.
1: Yeah. And you go back to the Knicks signing him. I mean, I've been saying that, you know, best signing since Allen Houston 96 and uh, he's starting to push that in just year one, year one as a Knick. And this is what it is. I mean, I'm watching inside the NBA last night and Charles Barkley is saying, you know, this is one of the best free agent signings ever, you know, based on what the Knicks have been. And I was much of a, a problem. They had the point guard position and uh, Jalen Brunson is playing uh, at Madison Square Garden and, Lighting it up in the first round of the playoffs in a series that a lot of people outside of New York City were not picking the Knicks to win. Not here they are with the a 3 one lead. Uh, before I get to questions about Cleveland, I do want to take a moment to talk about that crowd. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what what have you seen from that atmosphere at Madison Square Garden and what you've seen from the videos outside of Madison Square Garden after the games? I mean, this, I thought Sacramento wasn't going to be top in terms of how awesome. That environment was, but seeing how the garden has been, Jalen Brunson saying that he couldn't put into words the, the the atmosphere that was created. I really felt like the Knicks crowd and that atm- atmosphere and environment they created. I thought that they I thought they won game three almost entirely. I, I, I thought the Cavs to me looked very discouraged. They looked, um not confident and they looked intimidated by that crowd. I really did. I mean, you see Garland shooting forward for 21. Shout out to my birthday. He shot my birthday date in game three, 421. Like, uh, and then Mobley missing layups. Guys didn't like they want to shoot around the basket. I thought they they won game three, I thought, for the Knicks. And I thought they won the first half. I still think the Cavs were struggling to kind of understand kind of what they were involved in in the atmosphere. Garland got it going in, in the third quarter and got made it a game. But that Knicks crowd to me was one of the storylines of the playoffs so far. It is a real home court, which is not something we saw uh, against Atlanta a couple years ago. 100% agree. Yeah, Garland shooting tour dates is not not what you
0: want to see. (laughs) Exactly. If if you're a Cavs fan. Um, Yeah, two things. Um, The Cavs, uh, first two games of the series averaged 102 points, shooting 46% from floor. Those two games in Cleveland, obviously. Two games in New York, inside MSG. Cavs averaged 86 points per game on 42% shooting, um, on, on Friday, uh, on your birthday, scored 79 points. Only time in the NBA this season. There, there's over 2,500 games played in the NBA this season, regular season and postseason combined. First team to score under 80. They never look comfortable, um, right into the end of the fourth quarter of, of Sunday afternoon. They just never seem to find their footing and find an equilibrium, um, dealing with that raucous crowd. And, and I totally agree with you, um, uh, game three, I yeah, I think that the fans deserve the game ball. Um, you know, yeah. we talked about possibly, you know, real fans, quote, unquote, getting um, you know, priced out. But they, they made their way into the building. Whoever was there, whoever got into that building um, made it special. The folks outside. Yeah. Um, I, I was I, I thought back to I went to school up in Massachusetts um, and then I uh, went to school in Worcester. And then I lived in Boston for about three years after I graduated from college. Um, this was 2001 through like 2004. So um, the Sox, the Red Sox are essentially a religion in Boston. At least they were at that right. time. And yeah. I think one of the things that bonded the community, and it's different now. I go back, I have very good friends that live in and around Boston. I, I, I travel back and, you know, I've been there quite a few times since then, obviously. Um, and it's not the same. I say that because there was a community that that bonded, that united over being this underdog lovable. It's easy to root for the Yankees, right? It's easy yeah. to root. Or the you know the, the the teams that always win you know you know we make fun of the, the bandwagon Bulls fans and and you know and, and yeah. fans over the Lakers and you know wh- whatever the case might be um it's easy to root for these teams that are always in the postseason and if they don't win a championship like Laker fans woe was me they didn't they had a the couple yeah. of bad years you know um and it's easy to, to to be fans of those teams that are consistently successful but it's difficult to be in in a relationship where it's not where you don't get the love back you don't necessarily. Yeah benefit from, you know, the, the the time and the effort that you put in. Um, the product doesn't uh, deliver wins and championships and good feelings and, and sunshine and all that other stuff, a lot of rain clouds. Um, the flip side to that is it. it I think it kind of reinforces the fan base and draws them closer together, makes them a tighter knit community. Um, and I saw that amongst the Red Sox fans when the Sox were kind of get, get, getting good and then boom, broke their heart and then yeah. they obviously we they had the 2004 breakthrough coming down from 03 and and it's just the, again and 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 I say that because after the Sox got successful some of the fans kind of grew resentful of the new influx of fans they'd make fun of the girls at bars with pink red socks mm-hmm hats yeah. on that it could that yeah. couldn't you know it didn't know who johnny damon was or you know or, or kevin Millar or whatever the case might be um so there's there's those type of that there's that type of thing and i get that and that's the kind of feeling the overarching feeling in the garden outside on eighth avenue where they're setting up basketball courts and people are climbing poles <laughs> it's, it's 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 two decades of pent-up frustration and just looking to celebrate and and it's a little bit of happiness nobody's you know nobody's saying that they, obviously this is not the championship it's the first round they haven't even won the first round series yet yeah. but it's 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 some sunshine breaking through the clouds and it's taking joy and and embracing that little bit of happiness because you don't know when you're going to see it again um because you, they've been you know Nick fans have been kind of traumatized to expect the worst so now to see the good coming um i, I think it's it's it, it they're just embracing that happiness and it's it's fun to see
1: yeah, it's it's awesome to see. And I think that one I, what I will say is, you know, when people say this is anything other than a basketball town, I always yeah. rolled my eyes anyway. But now I definitely will kind of look at them saying, really? I mean, I've seen Jets and Giants win playoff games. I didn't see people running around <laughs> Manhattan taking over the streets. I, I didn't see that. Um, actually, also, the Yankees also, win the World Series. And, yeah. and the
0: Nets, and the Nets are an afterthought, obviously. And, and I mean, yeah, I mean, come it's on. Not only the yeah. basketball towns, the Knicks down So let's just let's just make that. Yeah,
1: way. yeah, the Nets. Uh, yeah, they they're uh, out of the postseason. They've been swept, and I don't know if anybody even knew. <laughs> quite frankly, I exactly. mean, I was talking to my dad, and uh, when they when they when they won, when the Sixers won Game Four he was like, wait a minute, so uh, are the Nets swept? Or they, I, I thought that was game three. I'm like, no, the series is over. It's over. It's done. He's like, yeah. that's someone who's from New York. We didn't even realize that the Nets had gotten swept. He thought that they maybe there was another game that was going to be played in that series. So, yeah, Nets completely irrelevant, and they're out of the postseason. But, yeah, anybody saying that this is not a basketball town, I look at them and say, did you see that scene outside of Madison Square Garden? Do you see 7th and 8th Avenue? The Knicks yeah. won those games. And similar to Red Sox fans, I think that is a good comparison. I think even though there's a lot of pain and misery, there's a lot of loyalty. Yes. So what happens is these people who are going to these games, these are people who are at, who have suffered through all this stuff. These are not necessarily people who are saying, "Oh, I haven't watched a Nick game in 20 years. I'm gonna go right. check him out." Like these are people who watched, you know, Landry Field. Landry Field was pretty good. Watched a Langston Galloway, or you know, watched the, uh, you know, uh, you know Alexi Fed. Those are the fans that are saying, "I watched those guys play." You know, those celebrities that were going to those games. John Mack. Those are the same celebrities that we're seeing in these games. It's not like these are new celebrities that don't all of a sudden never show up. Like we've been seeing Pete Davidson show up in Nick Games for five, 10 years. We've been seeing John, John Mack for 20. Yep. Yeah. John Stewart. These guys have always been at these games. Tracy Morgan. Oh, yep. So, so I think that's why the crowd is so great. Cause even though it is a high price ticket and it is a lot of people that are being priced out, the people who are getting in, those rich folks and those celebrities that are getting in. Those are people who were sitting through crap too. Yep. And they kept going no matter what. So I think that's why, even though the prices have been outrageous, you're still seeing awesome crowds. And I think, I don't know if it was Mark Berman, but someone said this two years ago. But I think it needs to be said, too. And you can speak to it better because you're older than me. But, like, this crowd is different than the 90s crowd. Like, not that it's better or anything. But, like, this crowd is more young people. It's people taking over the streets. Like, that wasn't happening in 1994. Like, they were scary crowds to play in front of like that was not a place you wanted to play and they were angry and it was a tough place to play but this has become like a mix of like that crowd plus this like younger audience that's kind of making it kind of like a zoo atmosphere around Madison Square Garden that I think has added a different element to this Knicks run that we've seen that's made it really fun
0: yeah I think obviously as with all things in the world nowadays a lot of it's social media impacted you know a lot of folks are outside Eighth Avenue, be outside you know Thirty Third and Eighth, trying to hope they get on sidewalk TVs next clip. Yeah, you know, they want to be the next guy that says KD. Don't you wish I you was with the Knicks? Know, no, they want to <laughs> be that guy. They want to you know, or or be the Bing Bong guy. You know, so there's 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 that aspect of it, um, that that kind of gets fans charged. Whereas you know, in the in, in the in the nineties, it was the garden was insanely loud, but then things would disperse and you know people would take the, you know go down to Penn Station, take the train home, etc. Now people. Yeah. They, game after there's people that subway down from you know uptown that'll just go to the after the Knicks win after the
1: game yeah, so,
0: yeah you see that more and more so um i think that's one of the differences yeah
1: yeah it's, it's been an incredible atmosphere it's an atmosphere i hope they get i get to get a piece of at some point during this postseason i will say just quickly on the Cavs are you surprised at how poorly they've been playing because the knicks have played very well not not perfect i mean we're going to talk about some of the, the the missing links we have in this knicks euphoria right now but what has struck me was just how poorly the Cavs are playing and when, when we have whenever there's a playoff series I do like to really read a lot of what the Cleveland folks are saying what they're kind of seeing because it, it provides a, a great context to what I'm watching overall because I'm not someone who's watched 82 Cavs games so seeing that side and seeing how they're covering this they're just shocked they just can't believe how terrible the Cavs are playing they seem to be a little reluctant to give Nick some credit but I think that it does – the fact that they're like, wow, I, we haven't seen the Cavs play this poorly all season is shocking to them. Are you surprised how poorly the Cavs are playing? Like, like what have you seen from that side? Because they, they have not looked good in this series except for game two. Pretty much the, the three games they lost, they looked terrible in all of them. Uh, shocked,
0: absolutely. Um, listen, the, the Cavs were second in net rating. In the NBA during 80, that's not the final month of the season. That's not a good streak they had in January. That's over 82 games. They had, they had the second highest net rating in the sport. Um, And that's usually forget record, forget home away and and leading score points. That's the, you know, that really, you know, analytics guys will tell you, that's a telltale sign of, you know, how how much you outscore your opponent by over the course of the marathon season. Um, And that Cavs team has not showed up again. Uh, You know, we kind of played this this game before, but uh, if I were to tell you, you know, 14 days ago or or the day before game one, that four games into the series, that that Randall would be averaging 14.8 points, 2.3 assists versus 3.5 turnovers while shooting 32% from the floor, 25% from downtown, and 64% from the free throw line, okay, quickly would be averaging 6.5 points, 1.8 rebounds, 1.5 assists uh grimes would be averaging 3.7 points while shooting 18 from the floor and had missed game four due to injury if i told you all that and that the knicks were I, they would just it would be almost inconceivable that the knicks would be up 3-1 giving that yeah. two of their three best players not having lived up that not having played up to their regular season standards have been bad i mean Julius Randle <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: was awful yeah. in, in game four iq yeah. he's played terrific defensively um but offensively uh, and he's still a net positive. We'll talk about that. But offensively, he's really, really struggled. Grimes was invisible. Can't knock down a shot. Um, yeah. it, so you factor all that in. And for the Knicks to still be up three-one, yes, a lot of it's Jalen Brunson. Yes, a ton of it is is uh, Josh Hart's intangibles. Mitchell Robinson and, and I heart playing out the Cavs' bigs immense. Um, and but you, listen, we on the other side of the coin, the Cavs have not been good. Garland's had some great moments, but it's been inconsistent. He was yeah. awful. Um you know, their their wings haven't delivered, which isn't shocking. Their bigs. Um Jared Allen has been humiliated essentially by Mitchell Robinson in many yeah. respects. Um Mobley's been outplayed. Uh, you know, top near the top of the league in terms of I think he finished third in defensive player of the year voting. Um, you know, and and then of course Donovan Mitchell. Um I do I expect him to have a big game in game five? I do. Um do I, I count do. out do I count out the Cavs? I do not. Um listen, we'll talk about it. The, 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 I think game five is an important game because if Cleveland can win one, then they come back to the garden and listen, the Knicks, the Knicks will be favored in that would, will be favored in that game six should it come to pass rightfully. So uh, most experts will pick them to win based on what we saw this weekend. Um, but listen, it was a, you know, it was a, t- essentially a tie game right near the end of the third quarter um, in, in game four. Um, you know, if, if, the, if the Cavs were to get that, and could the Knicks win a game seven in Cleveland, we're getting ahead of ourselves and so they could, Yeah. It's not to say this year's over, but then you start getting momentum and narratives start changing. Nick's important for them to keep their foot in the throat and not go Cleveland any life Wednesday night.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And and when you think about how Cleveland has played, they've been an excellent home team. So I, I would expect yeah. them to have a, another a really solid game at home, especially with the way they played in game two. Um, yes. They should feel a lot more comfortable. And I, I also think that I, I, I thought – the short turnaround between games three and four, I thought they favored the Knicks. I think they were able to ride the momentum from game three, especially when game three now is a blowout. But you play that kind of game and like, you can kind of just ride how you played in that game right into the first half. And again, I, I thought that Cleveland took how they played in that whole four quarters of game three and rode it right into the first half of game four and didn't really get into the series. until came the second half, a uh, third quarter there of game four. So I think that that didn't help them out. I think that they could have got two two full days off and they could have really kind of reset and it would have felt like a, more of like a new game as opposed to a continuation of the beatdown they took in game three. So so that will be key, I think, in getting these days off. But, yeah, I, I, I'm i surprised. I'm, I think I'm probably more surprised at the bigs being this Ooh. ineffective than Ooh. I am even the guards. Because the guards have had their moments, but in the playoffs – Shots go in, shots don't go in. It, it, star players, especially smaller guys, it can kind of be a hit and miss on kind of how they play. They can have big games, they can have tough games. So I'm not as surprised. We've seen some swings from Garland and Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I would have expected Evan Mobley to be way more of a factor around the basket, both defensively and offensively. I really thought only game, two has been the only game he's really made much of an impact. Um He's guarded Randall pretty well, but we'll get to Randall. I think a lot of Randall is his own doing. He's missing a lot of shots wide open, so I don't, I don't know. How much I give Moby credit for that, but you know you mentioned Allen again. Very little factor around the basket. The Knicks being able to get in the paint at will, um, score at the rim at will in the last two games. I mean, those guys giving them essentially nothing is is what will lose the Cavs the series if this is going to continue. Like they, those guys have to have much bigger impacts. They cannot let Mitchell Robinson dominate them on the offensive glass. We had seven offensive rebounds in the last game. I mean, like that that can't happen. And it continues to keep happening in this series. And once you get to Game Five, the adjustments kind of stop. Like this is a point where it's like, okay, every adjustment that's been made, it's been made. Now it's these are the teams that you kind of get expect for the next three games. Who's going to win? So if this is what we're going to see going forward, I don't feel good about the Cal chances to win this series. I don't think it's over. I'm not going to say that, but they they need uh, rash changes from their bigs. They're going to make this a series for sure. Yeah.
0: Listen and and. Well, obviously, Knicks up through series. They won three out of the four games they played in the regular season. That's an eight-game sample size, um, yeah. and, and the Knicks won six of eight. Those six of those eight contests. Um, yeah, Mitchell Robinson seven offensive rebounds uh, yesterday in Game Four. The Cavs team it has a total seven offensive rebounds. Yeah. Uh, Ob Toppin had five offensive rebounds in Game yeah. Four. That's more than Mobley and Allen combined. Those those two had had four combined. Um, again, just getting punished on the glass uh 51 to 38 I, I think or 47 I think it was 40, 51 to 38 was game 1 um yeah. game 4 I think it was 47 to 33 some along those lines but again about a plus 15 rebound margin again um Knicks are 3 and 0 in the series when they win the when the rebound battle and the and the turnover battle just 10 10 turnovers Sunday afternoon in game 4 um another reason you know for the success and and one other thing as we will kind of wrap up this first segment um, yeah. put all wanted we started talking about RJ Barrett um uh, yes, he, he he missed the, the six three-pointers he took, but again, that he was nine of 12 inside the arc from two-point territory. And just as importantly, even though he was only eight of 13 from the free throw line, Knicks need to clean that up, by the way. Um, free yep. throws will come back to bite you. You, you leave enough points on the table. Um, but the ancillary benefit of RJ being aggressive, not only does it get his game going, which increases his confidence, which increases the confidence of the team as a whole, it forces bigs to converge, and RJ has done a terrific job of drawing fouls. Third, uh, nine, uh, three minutes left, and about three thirty left in the third quarter. Game four, Sunday afternoon. Drives, uh, gets a rebound, uh, a defensive rebound, pushes the ball up in transition, uh, gets underneath the basket, gets Mobley in the air, draws a foul yeah. on him. That's his fourth foul. Sends Mobley to the bench for the final th- three and a half minutes of third. Fourth quarter, nine minutes into the fourth quarter, draws another foul on Mobley. That's his fifth foul. A uh, little, just under two minutes left. Mobley fouls out on a, on a yes. guess what? An RJ drive to the basket. So it was three mm-hmm. final three fouls. Um, and when you can get the team's other best defender off the floor, and not, and, and even when he's on the floor, not as aggressive because he's worried about foul trouble. Um, that's a huge benefit. So uh, again, uh, another reason why RJ was so important.
1: Yeah, RJ was a star in those games, no question. And, and if team continues to play like this, Nick will be in good position. But.